Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, they're remarkable. Their, their faithfulness in Mark's gospel stands out all along the way. Jesus' 12 disciples, in contrast, from the beginning of Mark's gospel, they've steadily grown more and more fearful. They've fallen further and further from God's design. By the time we arrive at the crucifixion, the disciples, they deny Jesus, they abandon Jesus, and they betray him. They scatter. They run for the hills. But not the women. They stick with Jesus all the way to the cross in chapter 15, verse 40 of Mark's gospel. The men are conspicuously absent, but the women are there. And then in chapter 15, verse 47, when his body is laid in the tomb, the disciples are nowhere to be seen, but these women are there. And now in chapter 16, they return to the tomb. And why are they coming? They're coming to perform an act of incredible devotion to perfume the decaying corpse of Jesus. It's an ancient Middle Eastern custom. But where are the men? Where are the disciples? These women are all alone. They're so alone, they have no idea how they're going to get this heavy stone out of the rut in the ground that it would have been slid into. They don't know what they're going to do about this problem. And then, to their shock, the stone has already been rolled away. And there's an angel sitting there. And if you have your Bible, Mark chapter 16, look what the angel says in verse 6. Do not be alarmed. (laughs) How could that be, right? (laughs) You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has risen. Literally, language of the New Testament is originally written in Greek. This is a terrible translation. It's, It's actually, the verb is a passive, which means the action was done to him. Literally, it's he has been raised. And it's incontrovertible in the original language. It's not that he raised himself up, but something else got him. He has been raised. He's not here. See the place where they laid him? But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Up until now, the women are remarkable. But all of the sudden, these women who were able to overcome the scandal of the cross. They were able to overcome the desolate devastation of the tomb. These women cannot overcome the scandal of the resurrection. And for the first time in the gospel, they fail. They flee. And they join the 12 disciples in fear and hiding. Misunderstanding, fear, failure. The Bible has an unflinching candor about the difficulty of faith in Jesus Christ resurrected. 
It's not hiding that. I mean, it's holding that up for us to see. What about you? Is it hard for you to believe that Jesus really did rise from the dead? That God really did raise him bodily from the dead? The empty tomb does not prove the resurrection. All it proves is an empty tomb. The New Testament never presents the empty tomb as proof of the resurrection. The body could have been stolen. I mean, right, Aaron, if you were trying this in law, I mean, the empty tomb doesn't prove anything, does it? Other than there was no body in that particular tomb. The body could have been stolen. Maybe Jesus didn't really die. Maybe he swooned. Maybe in, in their, their, their discombobulation of the moment, the women went to the wrong tomb. The empty tomb doesn't prove anything. The question is, what happened to Jesus' body? The angel claims. The angel says that he has been risen from the dead. But do you believe that? It's hard for the women to believe. And they saw the empty tomb. And they saw the angel. And they heard the angel. And they still can't bring themselves to believe it. Now, if it was hard for them, surely it's hard for some of us. Jesus was killed. On the third day, God raised him from the dead. Even for these women who faithfully followed him for three years, they saw him do incredible things. They saw him perform astonishing feats of power, miracles. But even for them, this is too much. Believing in Jesus, that he is God and that he died for our sins and that he rose from the dead to conquer death and hell, this can be very difficult to believe. And the women don't. They fail. In the end, just like the disciples fled at the crucifixion, the faithful women who have followed Jesus from the beginning of his ministry, they flee from the empty tomb. This is such a strange way for Mark to end his resurrection account. And that's the end of Mark's gospel. Some of your Bible have about 12 more verses, but I'm sure it's probably got a note. Our earliest and best manuscripts don't have those last 12 verses the earliest and best manuscripts, it's, a, it's virtually unanimously um, recognized by scholars of the New Testament. This is the end of Mark's gospel. Now, he, he might have written something else, but it was lost at the beginning if he did. Or maybe he wanted to write something else, but he got sick or he died or he got put in prison and he wasn't able to, and so he didn't finish it. Or he never wrote anything else. But everyone's agreeing that the last 12 verses were written somewhere late in the first century or early in the second century by a devout follower who wanted to tell the rest of the story. Such a strange way to end Mark's gospel. They disobey 
they flee, they fail. But let's pull back for a minute. Because Mark is writing this gospel 30 some odd years after the event. Okay, so the event in the early 30s AD, Mark's writing somewhere between the 60s, at the latest the early 70s, probably in the 60s of the first century. And he's writing his gospel for a group of Christians who live in Rome, a long way from Jerusalem, many, many miles away, three decades later. And the readers of Mark's gospel are well aware of how the story unfolds. I mean, if, for example, if, if we went to a movie and there was a movie of JFK's life, John F. Kennedy's life, right? And it ended with the uh, limousine driving through the streets of Dallas and the crowds cheering and then the movie was over. You know what happens next. You can see it in your mind. You can hear the shot. You can see him clump forward, his head in, in his wife's hands as the limousine races off. The movie doesn't even have to show that. Mark doesn't have to. They know, you know why they know what happened next? Because they exist as a Christian community. So the word must have gotten out because it's traveled three decades and it's traveled hundreds of miles. So they know that it actually succeeded, that the message did get out. But Mark, when he's telling the story, forces them to end the story by thinking about the failure of the women. Go back to chapter 14, verse 27. Jesus said to them, to his disciples, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. You see, the failure of his disciples, they scattered. The betrayal of Judas. The denials three times of Peter. His arrest, his trials, his crucifixion, his death. And now the failure of these women. None of this stopped Jesus from keeping his promises. What Jesus said would happen, happened. The disciples failed Jesus, but he still met them in Galilee. Because that formed the bedrock of the gospel Easter message proclamation that then swept across the Roman Empire. He still forgave his disciples. The women failed, but Jesus still went ahead of them to Galilee to meet the disciples. We know that because we're here today. If that stuff didn't happen, it would have stopped right there with those women keeping it a secret. But Mark wants us to sit there with their failure. What is he doing? What is God, who inspired this book, trying to get across to us? What's the deal with the women? It's this. God is talking to you and to me. And Mark was talking to his readers, this, this fledgling Christian community, a mere three decades out, scared to death because they live in the middle of Rome. And Rome just crucified Jesus. You think it's hard to be a Christian now, today, here? 
Can you imagine? <laughs> Marcus is saying to his community, do you feel like the women? Are you scared stiff? Is belief hard for you? Do you struggle with faith? The good news is that what ultimately changes your relationship with God is the boundless goodness of God made visible in Jesus Christ. God saves sinful humans by His gift. It's His initiative. It's His free gift of grace made available to us through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Because in the end, all humans fail. This is all of us. Dirty, rotten scoundrels. I mean, we like to judge ourselves on our best moments, but then there's those other moments. Humans fail. But this is what Mark is saying. But God succeeds. God raised Jesus from the dead. The father did not abandon the son. And just like the the tombstone back in verse 3 that the women couldn't move, the problem of the women's silence, their failure and disobedience, the problem of your sins... The problem of your failure, it is solved in a manner that these women never considered. Can you see them walking to the, how are we going to open this thing? And they look up and it's opened. What's the point? The point is that the most important character had entered the story. God has overcome the darkness and opened the grave. That's the point of the impossible to to remove tombstones. It's the point of the failure of the women in verse 8. It's that salvation is not from ourselves. It's that our salvation from our sin and our death, our salvation, it is God's strong initiative. Constantly, at every moment, overcoming our absolute failures. You know, we rise up and we do great things and then we mess up and we fail. We cannot earn salvation. We can't achieve it. We cannot absolve ourselves of our sins. If you've ever done something really, really bad, then you can relate to me. There have been moments in my life where I had to tell somebody I was sorry for something that saying the words I'm sorry diminished the gravity of what I did. And I struggled to even say I was sorry because it felt like such pittance for my mess up. We cannot absolve ourselves of our sins. We cannot overcome the gap in the relationship between us and our Creator. All of that is God's strong initiative. The good news of verse 8 is that it's not a question of how good you and I might be. It's not a question of how well we perform. 
You can't pull this one off. The disciples failed. The women failed. All human beings failed. The point of Mark chapter 16 verse 8 is that God succeeds. But I'm not just talking about God succeeded in overcoming your sin and forgiving you of your sins and you getting to heaven. No, the boundless grace of God is more than that. Earlier, Ed, Ed Cash read to us from Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. Listen again to the last two verses. For you, this is Paul writing to Christians in Colossae. You have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, the great fact at the heart of the Easter faith. Do you know what it means? It means that... Now we know, suddenly, and in a blinding flash, we know what our ultimate future will be. Our ultimate future. It is not just that we bumble along trying to live the present life a little better every day until one day we decay and die and end up either in the grave or in some disembodied heaven. Our ultimate future is that we too will be raised to new life in God's new world. Jesus was physically raised. We will be physically raised from the dead. We will physically inhabit God's new creation. A world of Truth and life and beauty and justice and freedom. The message of the angel to the women is that Jesus was raised and you will see him. He's not a ghost. He's physically put back together. Revelation chapter 1 verse 5 calls Jesus the firstborn from the dead. The point of the resurrection is that you will be raised too. Now think about this. Jesus did not escape death. He destroyed death from within death. He trampled on death by death. If you believe in Jesus, if you believe in Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified, but has been raised from the dead by the power of God. If you believe that he is God, if you believe this and you put your faith in him, death for you, in effect, death is dead and lacking in power. It is like a lion that has been slain. God raised Jesus from the dead and God does not lack the power to raise us from the dead also. He has conquered death. He has trampled on hell's fiery chasm 
And I know that it can be so hard to believe that Jesus really was God. And that he really died for your sins. And that God really raised him from the dead. I know that's hard to believe. But there is only one God. And he created all things. And if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There is no other way. This is the one and only way that the one and only God has provided. We started at the end of Mark's gospel with these women's failures. Let's end at the beginning. Listen, um, listen to Mark chapter 16, verse 2. The beginning of the resurrection account, that is. Very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. Now go back to the crucifixion. If you have your Bible, look at chapter 15, verse 33. This is while Jesus is hanging on the cross. And when the sixth hour had come, that's noon, according to their reckoning, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. Darkness enveloped the crucifixion. So when we get to chapter 16, verse 2, and it says very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. Can you see them in your imagination walking while it's still dark? It gets light. And despite their devotion to Jesus, they do not know that the sun that is lighting their path is the sun of Jesus' resurrection. They're clueless. They don't know this. It has reversed the darkness of their sin, of the crucifixion. They don't even know it. Can you see them walking alone? They're not thinking of Jesus as a savior of the world whom God has anointed. They're thinking of Jesus as a corpse that they need to anoint. But it's the first day of the week. It's the day when God created light in Genesis 1. It's the beginning of the new creation. The sun is risen. In the Old Testament, it's what the prophet Malachi spoke of when he said, there is coming a day when the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. They didn't even know that sun had risen. It's what Moses, the lawgiver of Israel, said in the Old Testament when he declared, there is coming a day when a star shall come out of Jacob. And this day, this morning, is the moment that the mighty king of Israel, David, it's the moment he wrote of when he said, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes with the morning. And then at the end of his life, it's what God was telling us through David. When David said that God will dawn upon us like the morning light. Can you see it dawning upon these women? God will dawn upon us like the morning light, like the sun shining forth on a cloudless morning. The sun 
has risen. And the stone has been rolled away. Christ has been raised. And these women still have a stone over the door of their heart. They're still blind. They're still in darkness. They are unable to see the glory of the open grave. What about you? Is your heart shut? Are your eyes closed? Are you unable to see the glory of the open grave? Please open the eyes of your heart. And in the light of faith, you will see that which through the deficiency of your faith now lies hidden in darkness. To behold the resurrection, the stone must be rolled away from our heart. The empty tomb doesn't prove it. In one instant, Jesus destroyed all record of our sins and he seals us with the pledge of the resurrection. And if you have faith in him, your ultimate future will be that God will raise you from the dead. He will keep that promise. And you will be raised to a new life in God's new creation. You will physically be raised to new life. If Fran has faith in God, her shoulders will be healed. She will be raised. If you have faith in God, you will be raised and the sin that you struggle with now will not be a struggle anymore. If you put your faith in him, death will in the end for you be totally lacking in power. It will be a slain lion. And you can go to your death singing because it doesn't have victory over you. Like a mighty hunter, Christ has captured and slew the lion. Where is death? It no longer exists. It did exist and now it is dead. And he encourages us and we, all of us, need to be encouraged. Death will die in you. Death will die in us and at the end of the world, at the resurrection of the dead, we will rise triumphant. This is the Easter faith. Have you opened your heart to Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified? He has been raised from the dead. Will you close your eyes, bow your heads?